Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I have a question for you. This season of the year, is it possible to will, to, to live the will of God? Amen. In every season, is it possible to live the will of God? Well, let me carry it a little further. Is it possible to always, constantly, in everything, to live the will of God. Well, you don't even know what's yet to come this week and next week and the next. Well, think so, think so. Well, let, let me just carry it a little further. Is it possible to always, constantly, in everything, to live the will of God with fleas in bed with you. There they are. I told you they were there. You need to see them over here and over here. Is it possible to live the will of God with, look at the camera, look at the picture, with that in bed with you. That makes your skin crawl a little bit, doesn't it? after Thanksgiving meal, or that picture right there, the next picture, go ahead and show it. Yee, do you know these little critters? They can jump up, the, up to seven inches high, up seven and 13 forward. They don't have wings, they don't have wings to fly, but they jump up and forward. And then they are like Velcro. <laughs> Literally, they stick to you. They jump up seven, forward 13, and they stick to you. They are blood suckers. Show the next picture. Yeah, that's, that's the outcome. Yeah. Literally, if they were big enough, they would suck all the blood out of you. They're like vampires. They would suck all the blood out of you. At best, they're a nuisance. At worst, they can bear disease, carry disease from one person to the next. In the story of Corey Tim Boone, we read of a, a family who hid, took care of some Jews back in World War II. As a result of their willingness to take a chance and to hide some Jews, Corey Tan and her sister Betsy were thrown into jail and we read into prison. So we read a little of their story. Let me read a little bit of it. We lay back struggling against the nausea that swept over us for the reeking straw. Suddenly I sat up striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. Here, here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how. 
It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer before we ask, as he always does. In the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you how the fleas got in bed. That, that's a whole different theological subject to take up on another day, and I'll let David do that. <laughs> I'm asking you, however the fleas got there, they are there. Is it possible to live the will of God always, constantly, in everything with fleas in bed with you? Especially this season of the year. Wait a second. I haven't even shared with you the parameters of what the will of God looks like. It is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn there with me if you would. Little background, Paul arrived in Thessalonica about A.D. 50. There was a strong contingent of Jews there. There was a synagogue there. Paul, going to the synagogue, he debates and gets in conversation with the Jews. And actually, some got saved. The result was many of the Jews became angry. And a riot broke out, and Paul and his contingent, his clan, had to leave town to stay alive, literally. After leaving, the Christians there found themselves in an atmosphere of persecution by the Jews. They were severely afflicted. In fact, they were afflicted in abuse to the point to shut them up, to destroy them, to take them out. The result, Paul is writing back to them to give instruction about those who had already died. If you look and read through it, what happens to them in reference to the second coming. But he is also, with fleas in bed with them, he is also giving some encouragement and some mandates. The truth is, I'm convinced, we all have fleas in bed with us. Not me! Not me, preacher. I wash my sheets. I keep my house clean. I use pesticide. I have a exterminator comes to my house. I don't have fleas in my house. Think of a flea as a pesky bug that annoys and bites, produces frustration and irritation, suffering, pain, difficulty. Hey, do I have anybody testify they know some of those realities in their life? Amen. Yes, we all have those realities in our life. A nuisance at best and a horrible, unpleasant, painful circumstance at worst. 
No life, no life is free from fleas. I think some of you are saying right now, got a flea, nothing. I got the whole dog in bed with me right now. <laughs> to paraphrase Junior Hill, you are just now, right now, coming out of flea infestation. Or you are just now going into flea infestation. Or you're in the middle of flea infestation in your bed right now. No one gets a pass. Life is a series of flea opportunities. Like it or not. With that in mind, what is the will of God with fleas in bed with you? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. We'll pick up. It says, rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you. Now that's not the, the total, so total full commitment of God's will for us. But it does mention three realities in reference to God's will for us. So is it possible to daily live the will of God presence with the reality of seasons of fleas in our life? His will is found in three imperatives, literally present active imperatives. That's the idea of continual reality in our life. Forceful commands directing our attitude and they are directing our actions, commands. It means that they are not just suggestions that God is giving to us. I suggest to you these three things, but essential and urgent demands on our will, on your will. They literally are gripping expectations of God on my life and on your life. Let's, let's consider the three of them then. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Can I tell you that in the Greek language, the original language, this word always, it actually means always. <laughs> Profound. Always rejoice Always, not sometimes, every once in a while when you feel like it, but always. The idea is joyfully, always. The Christian rejoicing is a conscious, undaunted attitude of joy. Joy, 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 down in my heart, down in my heart. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling of happiness. You know, happiness is dependent upon happenings in our life. This happens, this happens, makes me happy, I'm happy. But that's not what it's talking about here. Now, if I smash my finger, or I was raised, it was a finger. If you smash your finger, you then go, rejoice, 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 because I smashed my finger. No, that's not what it's saying here. Rejoicing is a choice of perspective despite What's going on in reference to circumstances? I like the word blessed. 
based on profound peace, comfort, and great joy. Rejoicing flows from gladness, and gladness is where the peace of God rules. Think about Paul in prison. He writes in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And he is in the middle of fleas. And he says rejoice. Rejoice always, joyfully always. And then the passage also says, pray constantly. Can I tell you in the original language, in the Greek language, when it was first penned, this word constantly actually meant constantly, continually as a reality. Pray continually. It's not saying that we are to constantly be on our knees or constantly in our prayer closet. Now, that ought to be a part of our daily world and our daily life. That is extremely important to living and walking out the will of God. But that is not the reference here. It is saying a way of life marked by a continual attitude of prayer. Continual attitude. Live in a spirit of communication with heaven, with God. Live in a spirit of communion with God. Continually mindful of our proximity to heaven. Heaven is here with us right now. Literally, it's the idea of a hacking cough. <laughs> you ever had that tickle in the back of your throat that you just can't get rid of? <laughs> can't get rid of it? And you just, <laughs> you're constantly. <laughs> and you're mindful all the time. Man, I can't get rid of this cough. And you tell people, I just can't get rid of this cough. It's the idea. I just can't get rid of this prayer. It's constantly in my heart. It's the consciousness of God and referring everything to him. Every part of our daily life, no matter how small, monotonous, how big and huge and troublesome or big it is, a reference to God. <laughs> and then can I tell you the third reality in the passage? Give thanks in everything. Do you know what that word, in everything... You got it by now. In the original language, that meant everything. Not a few things, not if you feel like it, not if you want to, not when it's Thanksgiving Day, but in everything. Like joy, Paul doesn't expect you to be thankful for the fleas. He doesn't expect you to be thankful for sin in your life. Oh, thank you that I did this, that, whatever sin, Lord, thank you for that. Or for a sick child, or for the death of a friend or a loved one, or you lost your job. No, that's not what's here. He's saying, have a heart of thankfulness in circumstances of life. Literally, the correct preposition here is everything, for or in. I see in, in everything, have a heart of thankfulness. Vast difference of thanking God for things and thanking God in things. It's literally choosing the color of the glasses you're going to see your circumstances through. You use the color, put on the frames of glasses that helps you in your circumstances to be thankful even with the fleas there. Never stop adding up 
the blessings upon you and being thankful for those realities in circumstances of life. There they are. Three commands, demands, always, constantly, in everything. Rejoice, pray, give thanks in everything, always, all circumstances. So I ask again, is it possible to live the will of God in these realities that he says are upon us as commands with fleas in bed with us? How, how, I'm, I'm asking you today, think about how is this possible? How do we fulfill this command? Well, I'm glad you asked. Based on you, based on me, my effort, my performance in this saved and redeemed but fallen flesh, I don't think I can do that that's being asked of me there, to be honest. That's, that's overwhelming. In your own self to fulfill and to obey, yeah, right. I'm going to be honest, I worked on this sermon too long, but how long? And my wife said, how long is this sermon going to be? Good grief. But as I begin to wrestle through these demands, commands upon my life, it's a little overwhelming. It's, it's in, in a sense impossible. I'm, can I be transparent? It's a pie in the sky. In fact, I've thought a few times, I wish I had just thought of another sermon for today. It seems so unrealistic to live out the will of God every day that he tells us in these three realities of life, this season of life especially. Don't you know there's more depression, more suicides, more family discord, more junk and stuff this season between now and Christmas than any other season of the year. Can we live these Great news. I got great news today. Yes, we can. Look at verse 18 again. Did you know I stopped short? You should never stop short of finishing a verse. Golden rule. Give thanks in everything. For this is the will, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There it is, right there. United, bound together, connected to, in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know what in implies? That Jesus is an active daily reality in your life. Oh, yes. It implies that Jesus in the awareness of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, in the spirit of Jesus, every day is a reality to you. This is huge in Paul's writings. Some 164 times in his letters that he wrote, he says, in Christ, in the Lord, in him, in Jesus appears. 164 plus times. Don't you think that's a big deal to Paul that he would say that that many times? 
in Jesus is the distinctive mark of a believer, of a Christian, of a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord. In Thus, if, if that is the distinctive mark of a Christian, it's not a creed. It's not a code of ethics, even though that's important. It's not religious ceremony. It's not a culture that we need to somehow create. It is it in Jesus. That is the key. That is the reality. What does in look like? Well, I think a marriage is a good picture of what it looks like to be in. I have known my wife all of our, of our life. Oh, her life. We've known each other all of our life. We were in the nursery at First Baptist Church Brownfield together. In fact, in fact, I said we slept together before we got married and that was in the nursery at First Baptist Church in Brownfield. Let's be careful there. I'm one month older than her, so I'm the oldest. Make note. We went to school together. We were in the same class together. I could have, growing up, told you all about her family. I knew where her house was. I knew much, a great deal about her. But she was only an acquaintance to me. We are acquainted. Until our junior year of high school, and everything changed. I had an awakening. <laughs> I woke up to smell the roses and looked at her and realized, whoa, where have I been? She is beautiful. I, I know I, I, I have a lot of people to say, I'm sure they're being kind of tender. How did you catch her? <laughs> Come on. What is with that question? And then I say, I caught her before she knew there were other fish in the sea to be, that she could pick from. Oh, man, her beauty inside and out. And listen to this. And all that she had to offer me. I saw her. I couldn't get her out of my mind. I wanted her in my life and I would not be denied. And I moved from an acquaintance with Carla to a desire for Carla, to a pursuit for Carla. And on June the 30th, 1979, I caught Carla. <laughs> and we were in a marriage Together, That ought to be the same reality in Jesus Christ. An awakening for Jesus, an awareness of Jesus, a desire for Jesus, a pursuit of Jesus. Listen to me carefully. Too many that sit in pews week after week, too many who if you knocked on their door and you said, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. All they have is, a, is an acquaintance with Jesus. They do not have an in relationship 
with Jesus, an awakening that he is the son of God, awakening that he came to earth, awakening that he died on the cross bearing your sin, awakening that he rose victorious, awakening that he's coming again, and awakening that he can live in you right now and every day and every season. What he has to offer is salvation today, abundant life every day, and eternal life forever. Pursuit. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever pursues Jesus, he's already come to you as far as he can with his arms open wide. He waits for you to say, yes, I want to be in Jesus and Jesus in me. And then to live that daily presence of Jesus. Daily presence in commitment and devotion and love. So Carla and I have been married for 41 years now. And let me tell you, I can say it with certainty. Not a day has gone by that I hadn't thought about her. Not a day has gone by that I hadn't communicated with her on the cell phone. It was a little hard in the old days. Or in person. Or at least I talked to her in my heart. Even if we were, so we couldn't communicate. A day hasn't gone by that I had considered her. A day hasn't gone by that my life, in a sense, hasn't been oriented around her. A day hasn't been gone by that I haven't considered what is Carla's will in reference to this or this or that. I've lived her presence in my life with rejoicing and thanksgiving as that has flowed forth and filled my life. Shouldn't it even be more so in reference to Jesus Christ who died and rose and lives in you? In Christ Jesus. So how do we live out these mandates with fleas and better with us? A total dependent, total dependence on our passionate in Jesus reality. Thus, the reality, if I'm in a in Jesus relationship, then rejoicing always is a reality in Jesus. Praying constantly, I'm out, it's a reality in Jesus. Being thankful in circumstances in Jesus, I can do that. Not me doing it, but Jesus does it in me and through me to a world that is watching. Always, constantly, in everything lived because we know Jesus' loving presence is real and it near. He promises us in Hebrew 13, never to leave us and never to forsake us. He is with you. An author said, Jesus never promised us gardens of roses. He never promised us we wouldn't have fleas or even daisies in this life. He did promise he would never leave us or forsake us. Get it? The three commands do not represent three different attitudes of life. But they represent one attitude reality in Jesus. I don't have to, oh, okay, I got to work. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I got to rejoice always. I got to rejoice always. I got to pray, pray. I got to pray. Oh, I got to pray, 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 pray. I got to be thankful. Oh, thankful. Thank thankful. Thank no, I have to be in Jesus, live in Jesus, and these three are going to flow. Yeah. 
They're going to flow out of me and through me to the world that sees and to me. Oh, man. Thus, I can live the will of God because Jesus lives in me. What was your perception of God when I first read that passage? And I said, these are commands. These are demands upon your life. Is it fair for God to ask us to live these three things as a command? Did I tell you that's a command? They're commands. They're not suggestions. Do these or, or do, is God saying do these or well, I'm going to come down there and punish you. Do these or I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Is God just wanting to put these before us and burden us with these three realities just to make us a little miserable in life? Of course not. Of course not. He's giving us these three in Jesus Christ because this is the abundant, full, glorious life that our Lord God wants us to have. He commands them because he knows this is the life he wants for us to rejoice, pray, to be thankful always. That is the life God came and died and rose to give you. Amen. Not as a suggestion but as a command because he wants it so bad for you and for me. So these are reality because of being in Jesus. Do you know how to treat a flea bite? Well, you can Google it and you'll find out. <laughs> you wouldn't admit it, would you? I hadn't thought of that. Don't raise your hand. Oh, that means I've had fleas before. Keep your hand down. Well, here's the first suggestion on how to treat a flea bite. Stop itching them. Okay. Wash with antiseptic soap to reduce the risk of infection. Put an ice pack to reduce swelling. I like this one. Use anti-itch cream, calamine lotion. How do you deal and live the will of God? with fleas in bed with you. You live in Jesus. That's how you do it. And that's the reality of Corey Tim Boone and Betsy. Oh yes, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room, such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip, oh yes, Lord Jesus, such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all these women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy, thank you for the very crowding here. Since we're packed so close that many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, su stuffed, packed, suffocating crowd. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely. For the fleas and for, for the fleas. This was too much. 
Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. She quoted, it doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between bunk and gave thanks in the fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. Back at the barracks, we formed yet another line. Would there never be into the columns and weights to receive a ladle of turnip soup in the center room? Then as quickly as we could for the press of people, Betsy and I made our way to the rear of the dormitory room where we held our worship service. Here, an ever larger group of women gathered. There was, they were, they were services like no other. These times in barracks, 28. At first, Betsy and I called these meetings with great timidity, but as night after night went by and no guard ever came near us, we grew bolder. So many now wanted to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call before we were under rigid surveillance, guards in their warm wool caps marching constantly up and down. It was the same in the center room of the barracks. Half a dozen guards or camp police always present. Yet in the large dormitory room, there was almost no supervision at all. We did not understand it. One evening, I got back to the barracks late from a woodcut gathering foray outside the walls. Betsy was waiting for me as always so that we could wait through the food line together. Her eyes were a twinkle. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, I told her. You know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room, she said. Well, I have found out that afternoon, she said, there had been confusion in her knitting group about sock sizes. And they had asked the supervisor to come and to settle it, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door and neither would the guard. And you know why? Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice because of the fleas. That's what she said. That place is crawling with fleas. My mind rushed back to our first hour in this place. I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God and creatures I could see no use for. Let's pray together. In the fleas, to live your will in the fleas. This season of life, to live your will in the fleas. Always, constantly, in everything. We can't do that in our flesh and in ourselves. It's dependent upon in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. In a personal, loving, true, alive relationship with you, Jesus. Not an acquaintance, not an acquaintance. a relationship of love and devotion, constant reality. With that, we can live these commands on our life for the abundant life and full life. Lord, if there's someone here that knows you just as an acquaintance and not a personal 
Savior and Lord. May that change today. If someone's carrying the burden of fleas and fleas and fleas, overwhelmed by fleas in bed with them, may they be reminded today that you're in bed with them if they're your child. Yes, the fleas are there, but you're in there with them. And change the perspective. In that perspective, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. Thank you, Lord, that your presence dwells here and within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.